Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors. Just so glad that you're here with us. Especially if you're here with us for the very first time. Hey, if you're a guest with us, we always want to welcome our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. And here's why, as I know, when you uh, go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. So whether you're a guest in here for the first time or you're watching online for the first time, check us out a few times, and hopefully we can be your spiritual family. That's our goal, and that's our hope. If you are watching online, we'd love for you to do a few things. Number one, like, comment, share, or even review. It actually helps us get through the algorithm of most social media so we can get the word out about Jesus. And then if you're in here, uh, go ahead and take out your phone. Let people know you are at church, and uh, it's been important, I think, for the, the next uh, several months for us to start getting back into the rhythm of coming to church and not just coming to church, but being the church and being around. This is important. How many of y'all know that this is important? Everybody say important. It's important that you come to church and come be a part. It's, it's vital for our spiritual health, but it's also vital for our emotional health for you to actually be who God has called you to be. Make sure you get back in church. We are in the middle of a series right now called Let's Talk Family. And the reason we're doing that is because, man, family can be complicated. Family can be uh, a very, very tough thing to walk through and navigate in this world. But the Bible has a lot to say about what God, what God really designed when he designed family. And so we're going to look at his scriptures and walk through it. But before we do that, I want to give you a few ground rules for the series. Number one, I'm not speaking as an expert. How many of y'all know sometimes you go into a place and you're like, man, this guy's speaking like he's got his all worked out. Uh, I don't have it all worked out. I don't have every, uh, the perfect family, but I know what God has for us. And I know we can go to the one who does have it all figured out. Number two is this, is I'm not going to be exhausted. It's not going to cover everything. Uh, honestly, if I did, it would take a 19-week series on family, and uh, we wouldn't be here for all that. And so honestly, I'm going to pick a few things that I feel like, man, maybe God's wanting to speak to us as a church so that we can learn together. And then finally, I'm going to speak sensitively because I know this, that a lot of us come from rough family backgrounds. Even saying the word family can bring up a certain kind of feeling inside of all of us. And so I want to do the best I can to speak sensitively to your situation but speak authoritatively with the Word of God. And last week, we brought up this week one of our series. We talked about how God wants us to win in our families. In fact, 1 Corinthians says it like this, says that, don't you realize that you're in a race that everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So if you're going to run, if you're going to do family, if you're going to do life, if you're going to get up and be anything, run to win. No one woke up today saying, man, I wish I could lose my family or lose my job or lose at, you know, being physically healthy. Everyone wants to win. And if you're going to run, you need to run to win. And we're going to look at scripture on how to be a winning family because the Bible teaches us simply this is kind of our theme for the for the series is that a winning family is simply this, a group of flawed humans loving God and leading the world to love God. And here's what's great about that is no matter what background you come from, whether you come from a church background or not, you can do this. Whether you, you, have a, you come from a complete or a full family or not, you can do this. Whether you're a single mom or a single dad right now, you can do this. Whether you have a family that's been split or merged together or you're a mixed family, you can do this. I'm telling you, everyone has the opportunity to be a winning family we just need to know what steps to get us there. And so today, uh, we're going to talk specifically about parenting and just some steps that I believe that God can teach us and, and help us grow in our own parenting. So if you're an empty nester in here, this series matters to you as well. And this message matters to you because, listen, if your kids left, these principles can still apply. Or you're going to have grandkids or you're going to have nieces and nephews. Or let me just say this, even if you don't have any kids, or maybe you struggle with fertility, you can still, this message matters to you because you 
you can still be a parent spiritually to those inside of our church or those inside of your life. You have a calling. We all have a calling to raise up the next generation. So this matters to everybody. Everybody say everybody. And so we can all get something from this and grow together inside of the church. And so we're going to be in Mark chapter 10 today, Mark chapter 10. Before we get there, I want to give you some context about this particular passage of Scripture. The Bible, if you don't know it, the Bible is broken up into two kind of major sections. One's an Old Testament, and uh, there's a New Testament. And in the New Testament, it starts kind of towards the maybe second half of the Bible. The New Testament starts with four what they call Gospels, or their lives of Jesus. And they're really stories of what Jesus' life was on this earth. Each of them have a different author with a different intent, and they all have different uh, audiences that they were writing to. Mark is one of those Gospels. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Those are the four Gospels. And Mark was written by a man named John Mark. And he was friends with uh, the Apostle Paul. And he was also friends with Peter. And he did a lot of ministry traveling with Peter. And so many scholars believe that Mark is Peter's account of Jesus's life in a lot of ways. And what you find inside of the, the literary style of, of Mark is that he writes almost... Um, Maybe the best way to describe it, like a comic book, he writes Twitter-like almost because he's he says punchy statements. It's the shortest of all the Gospels because it's almost like he's writing a comic book. He's wanting to give you the big ideas and get to it. A lot of his end, uh, his verses end with "and then" or "suddenly." And it's like it's almost like a like it's almost like an action story from from time. If you have ADD in here, like Mark's a great gospel for you to read, because he's like, well, here's what happened then, and then this happened, and then this happened, and by the end of the uh, the book, you almost get a little anxiety because you're like, oh man, everything was really really great. And so the intent of what Mark is trying to do, he's writing to the Roman people because he wants to show them that Jesus was who he said he was. He was the Messiah. He was he was the Christ. And so in Mark chapter ten. We see a moment with Jesus interacting with kids. And I want to pull this out because it gives us some great um, principles for us to know and how to interact with our own children or spiritual children that you might and I, you and I should be raising up. So Mark chapter 10. So that's kind of the context. Everybody on the same page now? Everybody say, I got it. All right, right. We're all together. In Mark chapter 10, it says, it says, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded their parents for bothering them. Now, this is kind of like when you brought your kid into a church, maybe like an old school church where you brought your kids in and they're like, you don't bring your kids into the sanctuary. You put them into the babysitting in the back, you know, where there were all mean people were in the back of the kids area. Y'all remember what I'm talking about? Like you ever done that? You walk them in and you got to keep the kids out of the important areas. And this is like that kind of interaction that has with Jesus. And this is his response. And when Jesus saw that was happening, he got angry with his disciples. Now, just side note, anytime you see in Scripture Jesus get angry, you should take note of that. Like, we should really understand what that means. Because if Jesus got mad, I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't want Jesus to get mad at me. And so his disciples, and he said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. He kind of wraps up this this interaction with them, with this statement. He says, then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads. 
And he blessed them. This interesting interaction moment that Jesus has with kids. And with that as our backdrop, let's pray. Father, I love you, God. Lord, I know that today you have something to speak to us, God. You have a moment. I've prepared notes, but you have a notes prepared for us in our spirit. And I pray that today, no matter where we are, what family we come from, no matter what area or season of life that we're in, God, we can get something from this. We can be mentors. We can be mentees. We can walk this stuff out as followers of you. And I pray that we would do that with everything that's in us in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. How many of y'all know, um, if you're a parent in here, you get this idea, um, and, and you might know this too, even if you're not a parent and you grew up with your parents or your siblings, you know this, that when you have a kid on the front end, like your first kid, how you treat your first kid is different than how you treat your last kid. How many, you know what I'm talking about? I have five boys. They're all under the age of, of 12, and so um, they, they, they're all unique in, in style and in, in character and personality. But I've noticed that with my family and my wife, we, we parented my first twin. So number one, I don't know what it's like to have one, okay? So like I heard it's amazing because I don't have, I've never had one kid. We had twins right away. That's why I'm messed up. That's why you're like, you want to know why your pastor's got issues? That's why, because I had two right away. And so I don't know what it's like to have one, but when they came out, I remember my twins, when they came out, we treated them differently than we did Winston, our last one, the fifth one that came. The, the, the Riley and Kellen, when they came out, they were born premature. And I remember when people would come over to our house, you know, you, you couldn't even hold them, like until you, you washed your hands. And then you sanitize your hands. We were COVID life before COVID was around. And so it was like you wash your hands, and then you sanitize, and then you wash your hands, and then you wear gloves, and then you don't even look at them and don't breathe on them. And they're just, and they were wrapped in bubble wrap. You know what I'm saying? As the firstborns, because we thought these kids are going to break if you look at them wrong. So we just want to be careful with them. Uh, I remember if their pacifiers ever fell onto the ground, that thing, we never used it again. There was no boil. You couldn't boil it long enough. You couldn't clean it the right way. There was no stair. We just get the new one. We just buy a new one because it fell on the ground. And then uh, I remember, you know, feeding them, you know, back when our twins were coming out, the new wave in California, because I'm from California, don't hold it against me. But I, we were from California where we invented organic and granola. And that's where like everything had to be organic, you know, like carrots couldn't be regular carrots, they had to be organic. Are they organic? Like, did they come from organic farm? Was there, is there pesticides in it? You know, is there, you know, is it non-GMO and all that? You know, you had all those weird acronyms and weird names and you were like, we didn't feed them anything. Fast forward to Winston. You know, our fifth born comes along. And what's interesting about Winston is like he was almost completely the opposite. You know, we, we would hand him to kid, people in our store. We're like, who are you? Will you hold our kid while we're getting something off the shelf at Target? You know, you just start handing them to people and like, you take them for a take, If you want to keep them for a little bit, we got four. It's OK. We got four more. We're fine. We just hand them to people randomly. Now, pacifiers, you know, if his pacifier ever fell out, we kind of wiped it with our jacket, you know, let the dog lick it a little bit. Like, here you go. Y'all have it. It's clean now. It's good. You know, whatever. And then, you know, now we just want to feed them anything that resembles food. Like, if it's just food, does it look like food? You know, it's like if it's you don't even know if it's really there. You cut the mold off the bread. You just give them some of it. You know, what I'm talking, you know, what I'm talking, anybody do that? No, that's ghetto. OK, sorry. So anyway. But like, you know, like you just think, come on, how many of y'all know principles change over time? But there are some things when you raise kids that don't change over time. In fact, I would go to say God teaches us some what I call unchanging principles that we can apply as parents to our parenting life. And as we raise up the next generation that you and I can apply to our lives and they don't change because they mattered in the first century and they matter now. And so we can apply them to our lives, but here's the caveat. Okay, before I give you the principles, because I know you're like, get to it, Pastor. Hang on. Before I get there, i got to give you a warning label, okay? This is the warning label. 
This is the disclaimer. You're not going to like these principles. You're just not going to. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to make you mad. Okay, I want to give you a heads up so you don't get all like, man, don't write me an email. Don't send me a letter. Don't DM me on Instagram. Don't like, don't, you know what I'm saying? Because one, these aren't my principles. These are God's principles. And I've just noticed that most principles that God gives us require sacrifice. They make us unselfish. And I don't like that. I don't know if you're like me. I like selfish. I like doing it my way. My way makes sense to me until I do my way and then it completely blows up in my face and now it doesn't make sense. And then I blame God. Isn't that how we do it, right? That's the Christian thing to do. I'm going to do it my way and then when it doesn't work out, I'm going to blame God that, that, he, that it was his fault. And I think, I, can, I think God sometimes gets confused. You're like, wait a minute. I thought you asked, you, well, you did it your way. You didn't do it my way. So I'm just saying what I'm about to ask you to do is to sacrifice at the end of the day. Here's why. Great family members and great families know this, that, that the mature, okay, the mature sacrifice so that the immature can develop. Healthy families have mature, the mature ones in the family. I don't go to my kids and say, you should get a job. Now, I wish they would. <laughs> Be helpful. But they're kids. That's not their role to play. Come on. Y'all know that, right? Anytime a parent acts like a kid, a family falls. So, so mature, if you're mature in here, God's calling you to sacrifice. So I'm going to give you three ways you can sacrifice today in your parenting. Three principles that God gives us in our parenting. That if we do this, I think, I think it'll, it'll work out good for us as a mom and as a dad. Y'all ready? Everybody say, okay. Everybody say, I got you. All right. Nudge your person next to you. Wake them up. All right. Here, number one. Number one is this. Loving and appropriate Touch. First principle of parenting from Jesus, loving and appropriate touch. Verse 13 says this. It says, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could what? So he could, everybody say it on three, one, two, three. Touch. He said so he can touch and bless them. Jesus recognized the power and modeled the power of loving, appropriate touch. He modeled it for us in this verse. The Greek word for touch here is interesting. The Greek word for touch is haptaumei, and it says this, it says to, it means this, to attach oneself to or to embrace. This was not a passing high five. This wasn't a like, hey, this wasn't like a bro hug. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all guys, you know what I'm talking about? Like, sup, you know? This, this was a, this was an embrace, an appropriate embrace that, that brought comfort, it brought security, right? Come on. It brought affection. It let the child know you are okay. Can I just say something right now to all the parents you watch online? Your kids need to know right now more than anything it's going to be okay. They're, they're more nervous than they might let off, even if they're young. They, they, they're, 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 they can feel it. They can know it, especially if they're teenagers, especially if you allow them on social media, which you shouldn't. Side note. Because we shouldn't. Side note, that's free. But I'm just saying, like, we have to, we are primarily responsible of letting our kids, giving them hope, security, comfort, affection. It's your job. It's our job. 
I did a word study in the New International Version of the Bible that Jesus, you can see in his scriptures just in Mark alone, they hit 20 times you see the word, the word touch in regards to Jesus moving around and doing ministry. And every time it was about healing, restoration, affection, security. There was a power and an anointing and, a, and, a, and just, I'm telling you, there was something unique about loving an appropriate touch. Now, science is catching up to this. I'll show you a few quotes from just research that, that I've seen recently that I wanted to share this with you. Because some of you in here, maybe you don't know God. Or maybe you're like, I don't know about this whole Christianity thing. Let me just tell you, this is something that God knew that science is now figuring out. Probably the last hundred years. I'll give you some, some thoughts on some quotes from different scientists and studies. A warm touch seems to set off the release of oxytocin, a hormone that helps create a sensation of trust. And to reduce levels of the stress hormone cortisol. Like science is starting to figure out there's a power in this thing called touch. Another uh, quote is a touch can ease pain, lift depression. And even this is interesting, even even possibly increase the odds that a team will win. They're doing studies now and seeing how like there is a power in guys high fiving in girls high fiving and embracing and celebrating and saying you can do it. How many of you ever wondered why like it's and then sometimes it gets weird and kind of quirky because you kind of see like in the baseball game with dudes that are just like, come on, you know, good game, you know, and they kind of. They give the slap to the booty. You know what I'm talking about? You get a little awkward and it's weird and it's normal if the, the hand is flat. It's weird if it's cupped. You don't cup, you flat. And so it's just kind of you do that. And there's a power. I know it sounds silly, but there's like a power in touch, right? It's like it would be awkward in any other setting if you did that. You know, it's like if I walked off the platform, good game, Pastor. Whoosh, and I'm like, what in the world? What was that? That's weird. Don't do that. We ain't that church. So like, you know, it just, why? Because there's a power in, in physical in physical, loving, appropriate touch, there's a um, an interesting study that even said something about about babies that babies who are not held, nuzzled, or hugged enough can stop growing, and, and if the situation lasts long enough, they can even die. There was a, I read something in a, a book about a man named uh, was it King King Frederick II of Sicily, and he used to do these weird experiments to try to figure people out. He, had, he was very um, he was an odd dude and in no way should be celebrated. But he had an interesting experiment um, who, who, where he had 50. He tried to, if he wanted to figure out what's like the natural language of humans. That was his mind. He wanted to answer the question, what's the natural language of humans? If a baby didn't hear a language, what would they naturally speak? So he brought 50 babies in and he told the midwives and nurses, take care of them, give them everything that they need physically. Feed them, bathe them, give them water, give them, uh, you know, keep them calm keep get make sure that they uh, change their diapers everything that they knew make sure they have everything that they need but you can't talk to them and you can't touch them because he wanted to see what would happen what kind of language the babies would start to speak the only problem with that is, is after an amount of time all the babies started to die he realized that that if you don't touch and give loving and appropriate touch to people and to kids especially to babies especially they don't develop properly that, 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 that there is a, a power in loving and appropriate touch. Now, here's the, here's, the, here's, the, here's the weird thing. When I said touch, many of our minds went to something inappropriate. Because our culture is filled with evil people. And... I want to remind you and encourage you in something. Remember, Satan cannot create. 
he can only pervert. And just because Satan has taken something God created and perverted it to hurt others doesn't mean we throw it out. Satan cannot have touch. And I would dare to tell you, if you go back and look at any study in the world when it comes to appropriate touch, one of the main ways kids know and can identify inappropriate touch is when they have a family who had practiced and modeled appropriate touch. Satan can't have touch. He didn't create it. He don't get it. God created it, and we as parents need to model that regularly, especially as they're growing up. If you want them to know and recognize when someone is doing something inappropriate, you and I need to model what is appropriate. We're called to do that as as parents. Now, I get it. Some of you in here, when I said touch, another person was like, but I'm not a touch person. I would rather no one touch me. No touchy. I have a bubble. How many of y'all have a bubble? Come on, y'all want to do the bubble? You want to identify the bubble people? Y'all wanna, some of y'all are like proud of it. Like, if you're a bubble person, raise your hand. You're like, stay away from me. I have a bubble. COVID's been amazing. <laughs> COVID's been amazing. Just keep people away from me. Okay. So, so here, here's what you need to know about touch. It's not a personality issue. It's a developing issue. You can't say, sorry, I just don't do that. You, you and I are called by God to, remember what I talked about earlier? Sacrifice. And so I'm telling you right now, your kids need it. They, 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 they desperately need it. How do you do that? I'm just give you a, a, a real quick thought on that. Be artistic and not scientific. There is no one way to have loving, appropriate touch with your kids. Here's why. I'll tell you why. Every kid's different. Every kid's different. He's wired differently. He's got the, every, she might have a different temperament, a different personality. I'll give you an example, you know, with my kids. Um, I have five boys. They're all different. They all have different, even my twins, they look exactly the same. They could not be more different. And so like they're, they're, they're all different. And so I have to figure out artistically how to, if I was just to go in there and go, I'm just going to touch all my kids the same way. And that's how it's going to happen. No, no, no. I have to be, I have to like, come on. I have to see who they are, who they are. My son, Kellen will literally come up and he'll sit. If there's an open couch, he'll sit right here on me. Anybody have a kid like that? They just right here. They love to touch. My son, Judah, my little son, Judah, he's, uh, he's six. Is he six, baby? He's six. I know. I'm, I'm a parent. He's six. And so he's six years old. That kid will, do, he climbs all, oh, he couldn't, I couldn't fill up his touch cup enough. That kid was wired that way. But then I have other sons like Riley. He could, he would rather not ever touch any time ever, ever, ever. He's good. I don't need it, dad. I don't need it. But you know what? Here's what's funny. He needs it just as much as my other kids. Just because his personality and his wiring is different doesn't mean he doesn't need it. So I have to be artistic. Some kids I wrestle with. So that's how I touch them. We wrestle. We punch. We, 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 you know, we throw. You, know, you punch your kids? Yeah, some of you need to punch your boys. They need a little punch. <laughs> Lovingly, appropriately. Like, don't tweet me. Don't send me an email. All right. So like, I'm just saying, have fun with them. They punch, punch. We wrestle. We're boys, right? Some of them, like that, some hate that. So sometimes I just got to snuggle. Some of them I snuggle with them. I snuggle because they don't like the wrestle. They don't like the wrestling flow. Some of them I just get, hey, just a high five is good enough. Don't ab- the point is don't abandon it. Yeah. Just because you think you're not touching or your kids are not like that. I'm telling you there's power in loving, appropriate touch. Number two is this. Uh, second, the second point is uh, abundant time. 
Jesus models for kids as you're parenting abundant time. He says this in Mark chapter 10, but the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. This is interesting. He says, um, he says, when the Jesus saw that what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. And he said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them from the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. Disciples thought, Jesus, this is a waste of your time. You need to go focus on the most important things. Jesus thought this is the most important thing. And so some of us still, that's first century thinking. We still have it in 21st century thinking. We think time, our most important time is spent on everything other than our family. But the truth of the matter is, man, we, we, we have to spend time with our kids. If Jesus got mad about it, you need to take note of it. And so for us, you need to realize your kids, you know how your kids spell love? T-I-M-E. Time. Not what you can buy them, not what you can teach them, not what you can pass them on off, off on, not what you and I might have trained them in. We've trained them, come on, to go to their iPads and go to their Nintendo Switches and go to their video games and go to the things that they like so that I'm not bothered and they don't take my time. We trained them in that. Time is what they need. The most important thing is time. I was watching NASCAR the other day. Don't ask me why. I got stuck on ESPN. I don't get it. They're driving in a circle. So I get it if y'all are NASCAR. But anyway, so like they're driving in a circle and I was watching it and it caught my eye. You know what caught my eye? And some of you are kind of like me. When you watch NASCAR, what you're really watching is seeing if somebody's going to crash. Right. You're just waiting for that. Or you're trying to see like what's unique about the, the, the certain part of the pit stop. And what's interesting about the pit stop, have you ever watched the pit stops, these crews? They're amazing. I mean, they pull their car in. Have you all seen this, what I'm talking about? They'll pull their car in. And I was watching it. It was incredible. They pulled in. And in a matter of moments, everything that could ever happen in a car gets done. The wheels get changed. The wiper fluid gets changed. The, the fuel gets put in. The, you know, it's like they clean the windows, they give them a Big Mac, there's a Starbucks waiting for them, there's a massage going on. It's like, what in the world? And they're in and out. You know, I, I looked up on the average pit stop time is 12 to 16 seconds for them to get in and get out. Isn't that amazing? I'm watching them and they're on. And I would go to say that most of our parenting is a lot like that. We, we, we got a lot of pit stop parents. I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. Convicted of it. You know, it's. I just do the kid checkup. Y'all alive? All right. Just making sure. Just me. We don't spend. I read a study. Dad spent an average of 37 seconds talking to their kids a day. 37 seconds. 37 seconds, 37 seconds, 37 seconds. We, we've, we've normalized too many things. Like, that's okay. I would better to say, I would go to say that, 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 that we probably have fallen into the trap of too much delegation parenting. You know, that's a new concept over the last probably 65, 75 years. You know, for the longest period of time, if you were in a family and your kid wanted to learn something new, you know where they went to to learn something new? The parent. But then this world comes along, and now if you want to learn something new, you, we, you and I pay for a tutor, and they learn piano, and they learn math, 
and they get a coach to play baseball, and they get all, you know, to play football, or they go to the church. Like, in order for them to learn church stuff, God stuff, well, they, that's what they do at the church. Church, that's your job. That's not my, just so you know, my job's not to help your kid be spiritual. My job is to come in and supplement what you're already doing at work, at home. But we've, we've got into the delegation. of Now, is there anything wrong with tutors and coaches? No, I'm just saying you and I need to be careful that our time, come on, that we have not trained our kids to not look to us and not come to us for things that we should be giving to them in time. They don't need time with their coach. They need time with you. There's something you can give them that no one else can because your mom and your dad. Um, one of the things that, that my wife has helped me with um, is we have a rule in our house. I don't know if you're like me, but, you know, I'll come home from work. And one time I came home from work and I was on the phone. I was like this and I walked in. I had my bag and I had a long day and I walk in. And my kids, every time I come home, they, they, it sounds like this. Y'all say one, two, three, dad. Say dad on three. One, two, three. Dad. Yeah, that's what it sounds like in my house. There's like a thousand of them. So they all scream that. Dad's home. And so I'm like, I, so, that, so I come home and they go, dad. And they scream, Dad, and my little son, my little three-year-old, he walks in, you know, he's, he's little wincy, he runs up and grabs my leg. And I didn't notice it, but I shoot him off because I was on the phone. I shoot him off. And my, mom, my, my wife, you know, she's, you know she's, she, she, she's powerful. She don't play. And so she, she waited till my kids went to bed that night. She goes, we need to talk. And I was like, okay. You know, so I texted a friend of mine and said, if I disappear, it was my wife. And so, you know, it's like, and so she's like, she's like, hey, let me just, can I ask you something? When you come home, will you not be on your phone? I said, what are you talking about? She goes, because when you came home, Winston hugged your leg and he said, dad, I love you. And you shoot him away and you should have saw his face. You didn't even recognize that he was there. And so she said, she said, you come home. She goes, will you just be off your phone? Will you, if you have to be on it, just stay in the driveway. And then when you walk in, you be here. What was she saying? Your time, make sure your time when you're around your kids, come on, is, is focused and is in abundance. Um, I, I remember reading something about Billy Graham, uh, one of the most famous um, crusaders who have ever lived. I mean, I think statistics said he uh, helped lead a million people to Christ in his lifetime. I mean, like, that's incredible, right? And um, amazing things. And a reporter asked him one time, he said, hey, Billy, what would you do? What would you, if you could go back and do something different in your life, what would you do? You know what he said? He didn't say, I would do more crusades. He didn't say, I would write more books. He didn't say, I would make more money. He didn't say, I would do more, more uh, sermons. He didn't say, I wish I could have saved one more person. He said, this is what he said. He said, I would have spent more time with my kids. You will never at the end of your life say, I wish I spent more time at the office. I wish I made more money. I wish I had more time with a hobby. You'll say, I wish I spent more time with my kids. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to help your, you to get to your future version of you. So you can say, I, I, I ran the race to win. Amen? Amen? Last one is this, and I'm done. Last one is this. Which, by the way, just real quick, um, if you want to win with your time, you need to choose to cheat. Um, you're, you, uh, the lie is that you can do it all. You can't. So you're going to have to sacrifice something and cheat something. Cheat your job, cheat your finances, cheat your opportunities, cheat your hobbies, cheat other relationships. Don't cheat your family. That's the only way to win in your time. Number three is this, and I'm done. Abundant 
uh, abundant time, loving, appropriate touch. The last one is this approving talk. Mark chapter 10 says this. He says, then he took the children in his arms and he placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them. The Greek word blessed, the blessed, he blessed them. The Greek word blessed there is eulageo. And he says it means to speak well of or to praise them. Uh, do you know the only recorded time in scripture we see God speaking to Jesus? There's only one. Only one recorded time in, in all of scripture. Trust me, I, I study the Bible regularly. Uh, it was at the baptism of Jesus, and it says this. I'll show it to you. It's in Matthew chapter 3. It says, And a voice from heaven said this. This is God speaking to his son, Jesus. This is my son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. Now, that's interesting. Because you and I would think, do you, that would come on the back half of Jesus' ministry. Well, of course he was pleased with him. He healed people. Of course he was pleased with them. He did miracles. He changed the world. I mean, he died and he rose again. Of course God was pleased with him. That came before Jesus started his ministry. So you and I need to recognize this because inevitably this always comes up when I try to encourage dads or moms in this to have an affirmative talk, an talk that builds their kids up. They say, but my kids don't do anything right. And my answer to them is always this. Godly talk is not modeled. It's not um, it's not modeled and determined by potential. It's modeled and determined by, uh, by production. It's determined by potential. That you don't, you don't speak life into them after they did something right. You speak life into them so they can do something right. So the culture would say, just celebrate them when they do something right, when they win the game, when they make it happen. I'm telling you, there's a power in speaking to their potential and speaking to who they can be in Christ and speaking to who they are in God and speaking to what they can be and all the steps that they could take and telling them, you are a woman of God. You are a man of God. We don't do that not because you're bad. We do that because that's what women and God don't do. We do it like this. Come on, model it for people. Speak life into them. When you say as a dad and as a mom, you are well pleased in them, especially before they do anything, you don't even know what it does to their backbone. They walk around with a new pep in their step. You don't even know what I can do. That's what you want your kids to be. And it can only come from you. I'm going to speak to parents as I'm done. James chapter 4 tells us that life is a breath it's a vapor it's a it's a mist it's a it appears for a moment and it's gone and the newborn baby that you have right now is a going to be an adult before you can blink and some of you who've had that happen how many all would it any parent in here who has a who has left the house who has a kid who's left the house how fast did that go can i get a can i we always say that in the old, old school church can i get a witness you know we're like preach like they're gone in a moment. And so it's our responsibility as parents to take these moments now. Have loving, appropriate touch with your kids. Satan doesn't get that. I'm fighting for that back into the family. Have abundant time. Spend time with your children. It's the most important thing. Get home early. Take this week and get home early. See what it does to your kids. Spend time with them. Do one more thing that you didn't do last week with them. Just one. Have affirmative talk, affirmation. You are somebody. I'm so pleased in you. Daddy, I didn't do anything. That's okay. You're going to. And when we do that, I believe God's modeling for us principles that don't change, and you will have a family, and parenting will be different than maybe what culture should say. That's my prayer for you.
Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, I'm just so honored today that you are with us and that you give us these great principles from your word, from your scriptures. And I know that today, God, has something has spoken to us. God, your Holy Spirit has given us a, a unique interaction, a unique moment from your word on how we can be better as parents and what steps we could take. We don't need to take all the steps. We just need to take one. And I pray that today we would do that. 